As older adults with vision loss, we understand your fears, your frustrations, and feelings of isolation. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is here to help you as you pursue the independent lifestyle you deserve. For more information, visit www.aavl-blind-seniors.org or call 916-995-3967 for more information. AAVL, a supporter of the ACB Media Network. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, everybody. Well, good evening, ACB Diabetics in Action. My name is Tom Tobin. I'm the president of ACB Diabetics in Action. I've been recruited into duty tonight. Our treasurer has taken ill. She's here, but she's not feeling well. So um, we're welcome to everyone to our community call. Living Better with Diabetes is our new name for our community calls, and we're glad that everyone's here. Um, we have a special treat tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Abby Chesterson uh, is with us tonight, and for those of you that have been around for a while, you've heard her speak before. Uh, she's been with us, I think this is your third time, Abby, if I remember correctly. So um, anyway, we're delighted to have you here. Um, she's going to talk to us tonight about something that we all are challenged by, and that is how to try and be healthy and eat healthy during these holidays when you've got all these temptations and all the chocolates and all the candy and all the things we want to eat. And um, so Abby's going to try and give us some direction on how to try and maintain our discipline. And uh, well, I might fudge a little bit. We, She's going to give us some ideas on how to kind of stay on the straight and narrow. So, um, so with that, Abby, I'm not going to belabor the introduction. We're delighted to have you back. And we thank you so much for being here tonight. And I'll turn the floor over to you. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks for the intro, Tom. Um, I just want to make sure, can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. All right. Perfect. Um, so I see some familiar names. Um, so I'm excited to talk with you guys again. Um, and like Tom said, I'm going to talk a little bit about healthy holiday eating, um, kind of go through some of the difficulties that we might encounter and just some ideas or tips and tricks on what to do um, to try to combat that and keep diabetes on track through the holidays. Um, so one of the things that we often talk about when it comes to healthy diabetes management, whether it's the holidays or really any time of year, is to think about our carbohydrate intake kind of like a budget. Um, so just like we run our household, we hopefully aren't exceeding our household budget. Um, and our carbohydrates are pretty similar. So we may get, um, on average, we say most women get about 30 to 45 grams of carbohydrates at each meal. And then men get about 45 to 60 grams of carbohydrates at each meal. And so we want to try to think about spending those grams of carbs, whether we're really counting them or not, but we want to spend them on the things that mean the most to us. So I often use Thanksgiving as a, a good example. So I don't know about you guys, but at our family Thanksgiving, we always have stuffing. We always have mashed potatoes. There's always going to be a pie of some sort. Um, I know some households will do macaroni and cheese. Other, oh, We always have rolls. Can't forget those. And so cranberry sauce, there's another one. Um, so what we want to try to think about is 
deciding all of the carbohydrates that are present at a holiday meal or a holiday party and really deciding which ones mean the most and are the most important to you. If you're not somebody who likes cranberry sauce at your Thanksgiving dinner, go ahead and skip that and spend your carbohydrates maybe on that small piece of pie that you decide to have or a little bit bigger spoonful of mashed potatoes. So spending the carbs and the calories on the foods that mean the most to you so that you're getting the most enjoyment out of the selections that you make. Once we've had our first portion, whether it be a meal or a snack, we want to decide to take some time. We say take 10 before we take seconds. And really what we want to think about with that situation is that it does take time for our stomach and our brain to communicate with each other for us to acknowledge that we're satisfied or that we're full. So they say that it takes about 20 minutes for your brain and your stomach to talk to each other and get that message across to us that we realize that we're full. So I don't know about you guys, but I have timed myself with how quickly I might eat a meal. And depending on the situation, I might eat a full meal in, let's say, 10 minutes. Hard part with that is then we have 10 more minutes before we realize that we're full. And if we continue to eat and we continue to choose some of those holiday favorites in that extra second 10 minutes, we might end up eating past the point of satisfaction to the point where we might feel really full and uncomfortable. So taking 10 minutes before you decide to have second helpings can help your body get that time that it needs to hear those hunger and fullness signals. The other thing to think about too is when we do go back and decide to have second helpings, maybe we emphasize second helpings of vegetables and the protein at the meal instead of deciding to have second helpings of whatever the starch or the carbohydrate might be. I think most of the time, at least with the people that I've worked with, if we want to go back and have seconds, the gut reaction is to go back and have seconds of the starches. And from a diabetes perspective, that typically is going to make your sugar go up higher. So choosing your proteins, which hopefully are carb-free if you're just baking or grilling or broiling them, um, and then your non-starchy vegetables are going to be very low in carbohydrates. So those things are going to be less likely to spike your sugar with a second helping if you're still hungry. Another tip would be to make distance between you and food. And we mean a physical distance here. So at a gathering, try not to park yourself next to that food table. So maybe try to sit in a chair on the other side of the room when you're having your conversations or um, just distance yourself physically from where the foods are. When you're at home, plate or portion only single servings at a time as opposed to having all of that food there in front of you and deciding that maybe when you're sitting there kind of waiting, maybe you'll pick and have little bits of second helpings, whether you realize it or not. One of the other things that I kind of think about here in terms of creating some quote unquote barrier between you and food is that a lot of times through the holidays, even if we aren't going to gatherings specifically, sometimes family members or friends might meet up out at a restaurant to have a meal together to celebrate whatever holiday it is that we're celebrating. And a lot of times those 
restaurant entrees are at least maybe twice what we should be eating. So what can be helpful here would be to ask for that take-home box. When you get your meal, have the, the restaurant staff pack up half of your meal and then put it in a bag, put it next to you on the on the booth or whatever, and don't even have access at that time to that second helping. So again, creating some physical barrier between you and the food in situations where you might overeat or eat more than you might typically at home. It's also really helpful to avoid letting your tank get fully empty. So for example, we don't recommend skipping a meal to save up for that holiday feast. I know if we're thinking about it, it might seem like it might make sense. So, you know, skipping breakfast so that we can eat more at that that meal later in the day. But what happens a lot of times is that we end up getting pretty hungry. And then by the time we get to that feast, whether they're appetizers or really whatever the main meal is, we might end up overdoing it because we get really hungry. So again, we can kind of think about, all right, taking 10 before we have seconds, choosing the right seconds, but then also fueling yourself nicely before you arrive to those holiday meals or parties. Um, Thinking about having snacks ahead of the time. So let's say you're doing your holiday meal at two or three o'clock in the afternoon because, you know, we often do that. We often eat that holiday meal earlier in the day. Having maybe a snack instead of a full lunch meal at 11 or noon might be a way for you to help get yourself to that holiday meal before you're before you're too hungry. Good snacks would include things um, that are a complex carbohydrate, and I'll give some examples in a second, with protein and or healthy fats. So complex carbohydrates are going to be things that have higher fiber content. So here we would think things like fruit or whole grains. So maybe we do a piece of whole grain bread with peanut butter or some whole grain crackers with cheese or maybe apple slices with some nuts. The cheese, the peanut butter, the nuts would represent the protein and the healthy fats. The fruit would, or the crackers or the bread would represent the complex carbohydrate. We could also go ahead and have something that feels a little bit more like a meal, like maybe a turkey and cheese sandwich on one slice of wheat bread. So kind of a half sandwich instead of a whole sandwich. That still counts as a snack portion in terms of the carbohydrates, but again, might help you feel nicely satisfied and get you to that holiday feast without getting to that super hungry point. The other thing to note about skipping meals um, or in turn two, going long periods between meals is that it's important to consider what type of diabetes medications you take. So typically we say when someone takes insulin, mostly specifically a mealtime insulin. So that would be something like Humalog, Novolog, Apidra, or Fiasp. Those insulins act really quickly. And so we would definitely want to be very careful about how we take that insulin if we are not going to eat a meal. Because they're fast-acting insulins, if we take, for example, a meal dose of that and then don't eat, we run a really high risk of having our sugar drop too low. Other medications that we would want to be careful with related to low blood sugars 
would be the medications that we consider to be sulfonylureas. And so that would be things like glipizide, glyburide, and glimepride. And then one other group of medications um, that includes medicines called Prandin and Starlix. All of those medications, the sulfonylureas plus the Prandin and Starlix, work to help your pancreas make more insulin. Now, that sounds well and good because we know that insulin lowers our blood sugar, but those medications are working regardless of whether or not we're eating. So if we take those medications as normal, maybe in the morning before our breakfast, and then we're typically eating a lunch meal, but on a holiday day, we decide to skip it, again, skipping that meal helps increase the risk that we might have a low blood sugar. So specifically, again, insulin, the glipizide, glyburide, glimepride, prandin, and Starlix, we do have to be extra careful about skipping or delaying meals. We also want to think about choosing our beverages in a smart way. So thinking in terms of drinking for good health. So regardless of whether we're talking about an alcoholic beverage or a holiday special beverage, those types of things can add potentially a lot of extra calories and potentially carbohydrates. So I looked it up so that I would be very, very specific here. If anybody on the call likes eggnog, one cup of eggnog, so we're talking eight ounces, can cost us about a hundred, I'm sorry, 350 calories and 30 to 40 grams of carbs. Just that little eight ounce glass of eggnog. Now, I don't know if you're somebody who would drink a whole eight ounces because I know it is a pretty thick, rich beverage, but just think about that many extra calories just from one beverage. If we're choosing an alcoholic beverage, beer, wine, mixed drinks, those things can add an extra 150 to 250 calories and a varying number of carbohydrates. So if we choose to have a celebratory drink, We do want to be careful, obviously, how many we choose to have because they can add on a lot of extra calories, not any real nutrition. If we choose to have an alcoholic beverage, it could also be smart to have a glass of water or seltzer water in between so that it kind of spreads out those alcoholic beverages so that we're not necessarily drinking as many of them as we might if we decide to have one glass of wine and then another right after, for example. It's also smart to be aware that alcohol specifically can raise our appetite and lower our discipline. So that can sometimes make it a little bit easier to say yes to that bigger piece of pie or have an extra snack or something like that. So just thinking in terms of it's fine to have an alcoholic beverage from time to time. And on a holiday, that might be a time that you choose to do it. But again, just being smart with what you choose and how much you choose. It's also a good idea to think about wearing your activity shoes. So putting on your shoes and participating in activity can really help counteract the choices that we might make um, when we're doing um, holiday eating. So if you can get the family together or, you know, your neighbors or some friends together and do some type of activity on that day that you might be having that fancy feast, that can really help to balance out the food choices that you might end up making later on. Things like walking and dancing can really help to work off some of those holiday calories. 
Now, when it comes to physical activity and eye health together, some people have to be careful about the types of activities that they do. Or when it comes to activity and considering our visual acuity, it is important also to consider what's an activity that's safe for me to do. Um, If you're somebody who has neuropathy in your feet related to your diabetes, also a smart idea to think about what is a safe activity for me to do, because we don't want you to be doing something that puts you at an increased risk for falling or something along those lines. If you have any questions about physical activity related to your vision or your diabetes, your doctor can be a really great resource for you. Um, A lot of times what your doctor may recommend would be doing things that are more chair-based exercises. Um, So maybe you're going to use a resistance band or even just use your own body as the resistance. So for example, doing leg raises or arm raises. Um, kicking your legs, things like that can help get your heart rate elevated and can help that count as physical activity. So those types of things, if we're talking a chair exercise, maybe we don't need specific activity shoes, but it's a great idea to think about it in that sense and try to make sure you're getting some type of activity, especially on a day that maybe we're going to be a little less restrictive maybe in terms of what we might eat. When we get to the holiday feast, again, whether it's a small gathering, whether it's at our home, whether it's out with friends, try to make room for vegetables. So as I mentioned earlier, vegetables are typically pretty low in calories, pretty high in fiber, and generally low in carbohydrates. So when I say vegetables, I am referencing non-starchy vegetables. So these are going to be things like salad greens and tomatoes, peppers, onions, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, most of what we think of as quote-unquote green vegetables. Now, I use caution when I say green vegetables because peas, as in green peas, while they're green, are actually a starchy vegetable and would raise your blood sugar more. So we can't just kind of go by, oh, it's a green vegetable. It's okay. We do have to be a little bit more cautious. Good rule of thumb that I usually um, make sure my patients are comfortable with is understanding the vast majority of vegetables are going to be considered non-starchy vegetables. The vegetables that are considered starchy vegetables are going to be our potatoes. So both white potatoes, sweet potatoes, the little red potatoes, all types, corn, green peas, and then some people consider beans a vegetable, those are all going to be considered higher carbohydrate, starchy vegetables. Not saying that you can't have them because that wouldn't necessarily be realistic, but we want to choose smaller portions of those starchy vegetables and make room for those non-starchy vegetables. Veggies can make great appetizers and sides. So try not to ignore them at your meals or at parties. Be that friend that brings the salad or the veggie tray. I used to always get made fun of by my friends because I was always the one that was going to bring the veggies for the appetizer and or the salad for the meal. But don't you know that once it's there, everybody tends to have a little bit of it. And then you can know that there's something there that you don't have to be 
as intense about thinking about your portion. You can always do more vegetables with having minimal impact on your blood sugar. Sometimes around the holidays, we don't necessarily have like plated meals, but maybe things that are a little bit more like buffets. And so you want to be really savvy when it comes to buffets. So do your best to learn about all the food options that are available there before you decide to put anything on your plate. Depending on the type of buffet, you know, my mind always jumps to like old country buffet that my grandparents used to take us to when we were little. But those types of places don't necessarily have many vegetable options and they often have a large display of desserts and maybe most of their proteins aren't the healthiest versions, maybe in breading or gravy. So do your best to learn about all of the food options that are there before you decide what you're going to have. By thinking through what you'd like to have, you might be less likely to eat large portions and eat large portions specifically of less healthy choices. A place like that or at a at a party, if you have access to a salad bar, start with that salad bar. Get some assistance with making the choices that you want to make in building your salad and start with that first. There was some interesting research that was done. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the date, but I learned about it within the last three or four years. And the research specifically looked at the order in which people ate their food and how it affected their blood sugar. So it was very interesting because they found the people who ate the non-starchy vegetables and protein first and ate the starch last had the lowest spike in their blood sugar. So I question a couple of things about that, but... I wonder, is it because they ate it last? Maybe do they eat a little less of it? Possibly. But also on the flip side, the protein and the vegetables are going to digest more slowly. So then once we add the starch afterwards, it's going to take longer for that carbohydrate to affect our blood sugar. So by starting your meal with a salad, especially when you know that maybe there are going to be some more difficult choices later in the meal by starting with the salad or starting with the veggies and dip in the appetizer round, you're going to potentially fill yourself up more and then feel less like you need to eat a large serving of the starch. Not saying it's a perfect solution, but it's a good thing to try. When you're making your grocery list or going shopping, Try to do the best to make sure you're not hungry during those times. (laughs) You might get more distracted by things that sound or smell good rather than those healthier choices. I think of Costco and whenever my family goes shopping at Costco, we always smell the rotisserie chickens and they smell so good and they're not a bad choice. You know, they might be high in salt, but they're going to be low in carbs. So having a small portion can be okay. But for example, if you weren't planning to buy a rotisserie chicken and then you smell it and it smells so good, you might be tempted. So try to do your best when you're making your list or going shopping to really think about sticking to that list as closely as you can. If you're going to go shopping, you may even think about having one of those balanced snacks that we talked about earlier to keep yourself from getting too hungry again. 
when we're doing our grocery shopping to it, it can be a good idea to think about shopping the outside of the store. For example, the produce section, the meats, the um, dairy case, the healthier foods often tend to live around the outside of that grocery store. Mm-hmm. Once we go up and down those aisles, we're typically getting into more processed foods. And while some of those can definitely fit, we don't necessarily want everything that we're buying to be coming out of that package. Now, of course, with visual difficulties, we are maybe going to rely a little bit more on some of those frozen veggies because we won't have to worry about cutting them and prepping them as much. So there are definitely ways that those things can be very helpful. But if we have to choose to shop up and down the aisles, doing a frozen veggie or finding those canned low sodium or no salt veggies are going to be a little bit healthier ways to go about including those aisle types of foods. Everything can fit, but again, understanding what we're getting out of those different um, aisle foods can help us to choose if we can eat a little more or eat a little less. We really want to think, especially through the holiday season, about balancing our choices. No food is truly, totally off limits. Now, in our diabetes nutrition class, I talk to people about keeping sweets and desserts for special occasions, okay? The holidays are definitely a more special occasion. But even still, I want us to think, you know, not every Friday afternoon is truly a special occasion. So even through the holidays, we don't want to really spend those off-limit foods frequently. If you plan to have a sweet treat, that's fine. Try to look at the portion that you're having and think, okay, if I'm having, you know, ice cream or a piece of pie or something like that, or cake or cookies, how much am I having? You know, am I having maybe a fist sized portion or like one scoop of ice cream? Am I having a quarter of the pie? Thinking about what that portion looks like can help you decide truly how we can fit it in. Um, What you can consider doing at that meal or that party that means the most to you is to think about the carbohydrates in that sweet treat that you want. Again, maybe it's Christmas cookies, maybe it's ice cream, peppermint stick ice cream, maybe that seems more holiday. Um, Maybe it is pie or cake, whatever that sweet that means the most to you is. Think about, okay, I can have a small portion of this. And maybe I eat a little less carbohydrate food at that meal. So let's use Thanksgiving, for example, again. So let's say I want to have a piece of pumpkin pie. And maybe I want to have it literally right after that meal. At that point, it would technically still be considered part of the meal. If we waited a few hours, we could look at that pie as a snack. And then again, try to have a small portion. But so if I want to have that pie right there after the meal... I do have to think about that pie as counting in that carbohydrate goal at my meal. So again, thinking in terms of the budget, if the pie is going to take some of that carbohydrate, I have less carb to spend on those other things like stuffing or cranberry sauce or roasted sweet potatoes or whatever. So what we can think about doing is having a little less of those other foods so that we have room in the budget at that point in time to spend it on the pie or whatever that dessert might be for you. 
The other thing to think about when we're having something sweet is to try to slow down and savor a small serving. So I know it sounds kind of silly, but eat with a small fork or a small spoon. Put it on a, in a small dish so that when we're using that spoon to get it out of the dish, we're not hitting the dish all the time and hearing that clang and thinking, oh my goodness, this is such an empty bowl. But rather we're getting into whatever is in that bowl or on that plate. You know, where we're trying to make it feel like more than maybe it may seem. So savor that small serving. Remember too, 20 minutes. It takes 20 minutes for us to realize that we're full. So if we're able to savor that small serving over a longer period of time, the chance is we're going to feel more satisfied on that serving. Sometimes we don't think about it as well, but sleep can actually make a big difference here with our ability to make healthy choices. So aim for, if you can, about seven to nine hours per night. I know that that's not always easy. So maybe you're somebody who's only sleeping four or five hours per night at this time. What you could try to do would be to increase that sleep maybe by a half an hour or so. Either way, either going to bed a little bit earlier or trying to stay in bed a little bit longer on the flip side. Less sleep can make it harder to manage our blood sugars because when we're sleepy, we tend to choose higher fat and higher sugar foods. So it kind of comes back to hormones. And I mean, if you think about it, insulin is a hormone that manages blood sugar. And then we have hormones that are affected by our sleep as well. So lack of sleep drives up stress hormones. Stress hormones make it harder for us to have healthy weight loss. Stress hormones can promote us holding on to weight around our midsection. And those same stress hormones can also make us crave those less healthy foods. So the more you can focus on getting that sleep that your body needs, it's going to help your body rest and recover and really get you on that right track during that time that we're not awake thinking about food. We also want to think just kind of overall paying attention to the true meaning of the holidays. So put the emphasis on family, on friends, on joy, on cheer, on, you know, listening to your favorite holiday songs or listening to your favorite holiday movies. All of those things are really going to be the best thing about the holidays. The meals come and go, but those memories that we can make are really the things that are going to last us longer. So focusing on balance, focusing on moderation is really the most reasonable way to go. We don't really want to be deprived during the holidays. So focusing on, okay, maybe the rest of the year, my goal is healthy weight loss. Through the holidays, we typically recommend shifting more so to healthy weight maintenance. So knowing that there may be some more, you know, dietary discretions during this time of the year. So instead of, you know, beating ourselves up when we make a different choice that maybe isn't the healthiest, try to give yourself some grace and focus on getting back on track with the next meal or the next snack or the next day. I often tell people, you know, let's say you go out for a holiday meal at lunch. And maybe you make some choices that afterwards, you're like, you know, my blood sugar is high. Maybe I shouldn't have had that, you know, extra glass of regular soda. Or maybe I shouldn't have had those two Christmas cookies. You did. We can't go back. 
we can't change what happened. So it doesn't really benefit us to beat ourselves up and really make ourselves feel bad about the decisions that we made. Rather, we can say, you know what? I could have done that differently. I, 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 you know, my, I see that my blood sugar is high. My Dexcom's telling me I'm 220 and staying steady. That isn't where I want to be. Instead of, again, beating yourself up, let's look at it from an, a non-emotional perspective. Let's look at it from, you know, this happened and this is the result. If I'm not happy with that result, what can I do differently next time to see the result that I do want? You can get back on track with your healthy eating at the next meal. You don't have to wait for January 1st to make healthy choices, <laughs> right? Now's an okay time to do that too. So thinking of giving yourself grace, none of us are perfect and we don't expect anyone to be perfect. We just want to look at where's our progress going and what can I do differently next time? Um, so through the holiday season, you know, we really want to make sure we're enjoying the time. It can be very stressful, whether it's stressful seeing your friends and family or whether it's stressful trying to get gifts for people or not get gifts for people that can be stressful too. So there can be a lot of things about the holidays that drive us to choose food whether it is as a celebration or whether it is as a stress coping mechanism, but acknowledging, okay, why am I eating? Am I hungry? Is it mealtime? Am I eating because the food is there? Did I get something special and now I'm craving it because I know what's in the refrigerator? Stopping and thinking, why am I choosing this? Can often help us to say, you know what? I really don't need this. I can wait. Depending on... Just one other thing that popped in my head, um, depending on um, who we are, occasionally we may interpret signals as hunger when really they are thirst. So one thing that you can do too, if you're looking and you're saying, you know, I'm hungry, I, I, I want something, you know, maybe, maybe I want that. I'm trying to think of something that I've had in the house recently, uh, toffee. Somebody sent us toffee. So maybe <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I could really go for a piece of toffee. If I stop and I say, why? Am I hungry? Am I bored? Am I stressed? And I think this will make me feel better. Stopping and saying why. And if I say, you know what? No, I do really want that. Maybe I decide to have a glass of water and wait 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe I'm not going to think about it again. If I do think about it again, okay, maybe I decide to have a small piece. But taking that time can help us to prevent from just kind of willy-nilly choosing to eat things that maybe aren't going to help us with our overall health goals. Um, I think I said it earlier too, but thinking along the lines of, is it worth the carbs or the calories? I kind of started with that. But again, with that toffee, my in-laws are we're near, we're in the house and they, my mother-in-law saw the toffee and she was like, oh my goodness, this stuff <laughs> so good. This is delicious. We used to get it all the time when I was young. So she had a piece and the first thing out of her mouth was, I don't think this is very good. It doesn't, the, the nuts in it don't seem fresh or it's just not what I remember it to be. If you have that situation going on with something that you've chosen to have, 
even if you're one bite in, go ahead and decide not to eat the rest of it. You don't need to spend your calories or your carbs on something that's not going to satisfy you. That's not going to be worth it. So maybe you decide to to take that extra, in my example here, that box of toffee, maybe you decide to take it to work or maybe you decide to, you know, pass it off to somebody else, give it to somebody who who doesn't have to die, had to have diabetes and have to think about it. Um, you know, sharing things that aren't going to mean something to you. I think of Marie Kondo and does it spark joy? Think about <laughs> those things and what sparks joy for you and including those things. Um, so spending time with your friends and family, that's going to create the memories that you're looking for. Um, whereas those meals, those snacks, those desserts aren't going to stick around with you the same way. So if anybody has any questions, I would love to to see if we can kind of talk through some ideas that you guys have or some situations sure. that you'd like to talk through. Well, I would just say, wow, you've given us a lot to think about, Abby. And um, I just had one question. I read somewhere that a lot of the issues around alcohol, uh, especially with mixed drinks, is not so much the alcohol stuff, but what you put in it. So yes. If, yes. yes. So that's that's a great point. Thank you. Um, so typically liquors themselves don't have carbohydrates. So for example, if you're gonna have some vodka or you know a, a scotch or something like that, those beverages generally have zero carbs. So what we need to be most careful with is what we mix it with. Right. So the example that I always use is a rum and coke versus a rum and diet coke. The rum and Diet Coke, we would not expect to raise your blood sugar. The rum and Coke, we absolutely would. But one other thing that I want to mention too, in terms of individuals who take insulin, in terms of those individuals who are on the glipizide, glyburide, glimepride, prand, and starlix, if you're on any of those medications, beverage, alcoholic beverages that are zero carb, then actually lower your blood sugar. Yep. Now, don't get any ideas. Don't go rush out because <laughs> it's going to lower your blood sugar. It's not a recommendation. But what you want to think about is having an alcoholic beverage with a meal or snack if you're in that situation so that we don't get a dangerous low blood sugar. Basically, what happens in your body to make that potential happen is that our liver plays a role with diabetes, with blood sugar management. And our liver stores sugar and releases it to our bloodstream when we need it. So for example, if we're going a long period between lunch and dinner, not eating anything, our body still needs energy. And so if it's not getting it from food, our liver can release some of that sugar for energy. Mm -hmm. But when we have alcohol present, the liver, I joke, gets distracted, can't handle more than one job at a time. And so it moves and prioritizes getting the alcohol out of our system and kind of forgets to give us that sugar if we need it. Uh, so that can be that that um, kind of chain reaction that can result in the lowering of our blood sugar related to alcohol. So to keep you safe, if you're on those medications, again, we would recommend a beverage with a meal or a snack. Excellent. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's a good explanation. Um, Allison, do we have any hands raised? Yes, Tom and Abby, we have two at the moment. First up is uh, Terry, followed by Janine. So Terry, you can unmute. Thank you. 
Well, thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for this wonderful call. Um, so I'm an American Cuban, and my grandmother always taught me when I'm cooking rice to rinse it um, till the water is clear to help reduce the starch. Is that true? Does that really help? Because I can't see the water change anymore. Sure. So it it's not going to change how it affects your blood sugar. It might affect the texture of the rice, but you're not really, you're not removing any carbohydrates, for example. So you may be rinsing like the starch on the outside that may keep it from getting gummy, basically, um, but it's not going to affect your blood sugar any differently. So you really don't have to worry too much about it. And I have apologize it's a, a second one so yucca is a is a pretty mm -hmm. big um choice for us in um our cuban recipes and i finding it that it's a large carbohydrate mm -hmm. unfortunately so. it is um so yucca is a higher carb root vegetable what is yucca abby what is yucca um so it's, it's also known as cassava um it's another white kind well so on the outside it's brown um and on it, it, i don't know i guess it would kind of look or feel like a, a, a sweet potato maybe would be oh, okay. kind of a, a comparison um but it is a higher starch higher carb version um so i just pulled it up here so i can give you kind of a, a comparison so one cup of raw yucca, which, you know, I'm not entirely sure how much you might choose to eat, but one cup of raw yucca is going to contain about 78 grams of carbohydrates. Wow. Whereas one cup of raw potato, for example, is going to contain about 30 grams of carbohydrates. Oh. So typically... <laughs> Sorry, Terry. I know, oh, not that no. you can't have it, not that you can't have it, but depending on how you cook it, maybe you decide to have a couple of pieces instead of that whole half cup or one cup portion. Um, the other thing that I don't think I mentioned today, um, and I'm not sure if I mentioned it in my other talk either, but the thing to remember is for most women, your fist is about the size of a cup. For most men, your fist is generally, we say about a cup and a half. So if you're able to kind of put your put your hand over the portion that's on your plate, or if you're able to even kind of use your hand, I know that this isn't always sanitary, but use your hands to do the portioning, you might have a better idea of what portion you're getting. Oh. Um, you know, obviously, too, in theory, you could have a sighted individual help portion your plate and kind of talk to them about that plate method with making half of your plate veggies, a quarter of your plate, the protein, and then that last quarter that remains could be your starch. But if you're doing your own meal prepping and your own um, plating, think about the size of your fist, think about the palm of your hand, kind of cupping your hand and seeing how much you could fit in there. That's kind of a good rule of thumb. Thank you, Abby, so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much. It's great. Janine. Hey, this has been so great, um, but I don't know what Abby does. Like you said, Abby's been here before and I don't know. She's got a lot of different uh, letters behind her name, but I'll let her tell you. <laughs> sure. Okay, so very impressive credentials. Question. Very impressive credentials. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian. 
And I'm a certified diabetes care and education specialist. Um, I've been a dietitian for about 10 years now, and I've worked specifically with people with diabetes for five or six of those years. Um, I love it. Yeah. So I kind of like to merge the diabetes world and the the nutrition or the healthy eating. So I I have like a two-part question because when you were talking, so is jicama a high carb vegetable? Uh, let me double check here. Because jicama, it's a root vegetable and it's brown and you cut it and it's white and it's kind of like a celery sure. snow pea type thing. Mm. That's never delicious. Heard of it, yeah, it's never delicious. Heard of it. If you don't want to prepare it yourself, Trader Joe's is a fabulous option. Ah, very good. <laughs> so I love TJ's. I just pulled it up here and it actually looks like it's pretty low in carbohydrates. So I'm a little bit surprised. I'm just based, I haven't seen it recently. So I'm pulling from memory here. Um, But I looked it up here and it looks like one cup of raw jicama is only 11 grams of carbohydrates. Wow. So we should all eat that. Okay. So <laughs> soup's up, Janine. <laughs> something so something we you said earlier is um I, I like what you said when you said, you know, uh if we when we eat, um, if we eat it every meal's a choice, right? So mm-hmm. if you make the choice to eat the whole birthday cake in <laughs> one sitting for your meal, and then you could just make the choice not to eat. For like a couple days, right? Because <laughs> that's that's a lot of sugar from the birthday cake. Sure, sure. So I I appreciate that question, um, and I I wouldn't recommend that. Um, but so it's delicious. I hear you. Birthday cake is awesome, um, but what we want to think about is more so if we can obviously spreading those calories and carbohydrates out throughout the day is going to be better for our blood sugar. So I often use the example of like, you don't get to have scrambled eggs and bacon for breakfast and salad with grilled chicken for lunch, and then go to Olive Garden and eat three plates of pasta for dinner. We don't recommend doing it that way because our blood sugar might be pretty stable and maybe running on the lower side through the, through the morning and the afternoon. But then when we have that three plates of pasta, our blood sugar is going to go up and it's going to go up high. And so it isn't, it's, it's better for us to stay on a carousel and be pretty even and pretty steady as opposed to being on a big roller coaster. So yes, if you've made the decision and you maybe didn't make the decision knowingly at the time, but ended up looking back and said, oh, I ate that whole cake. <laughs> maybe you do try to be maybe a little lower carb the rest of the day. But again, we can't undo the cake. So, But the good choice is to have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner then, right? So in theory, <laughs> and yeah, those are your only was... meals. They're your only right. meals so with the it... vodka, with the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. No. I think you um, had some vodka tonight. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So what we want to think about is, you know, it, in theory, from a blood sugar perspective, if you had a small piece of cake with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it would be better than having it all at once. Um, so again, that is where we say, choose the special occasions, have those sweets when when you want them, really. But again, trying not to do it every meal or every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Well, thanks, Abby. Any other questions, Allison, from the audience? Yes, Roberta has her hand raised. Oh. All right. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much. This is 
I love all your little pointers. It's just so wonderful. Some of them are good reminders and some of them are new things. Um, I would love to share a couple of things that I do when I go out. Um, yeah. The first thing I do is I review the menu before I go and I try to choose things when I'm not sitting there and going, I'm so hungry. And because then I can say, okay, these are things it's, it's okay. You're going to get enough to eat. It's okay. You know, and then, <laughs> that's a great idea. And, and the other two things I do is, um, are one, I look at what I'm choosing at a restaurant with the idea. I will take half of it home. So for example, um, I will choose a, um, I was just out with family this evening. Instead of choosing a fish and chips basket, which doesn't reheat well, huh? I chose something that I knew I was going to cut in half and put half of it in the to-go containers that I bring in with my little handle grocery bag. I got two or three, I got two or three little to-go containers. My whole family does this now. We bring our own to-go containers planning ahead of time to take <laughs> some of that food home. And that has really helped me to, to just say, it's okay. I'm going to take some home. And I know ahead of time, that's what I'm going to do. And, and I've reached a point now where I look around at some people who are with me and I think, really, you ate that whole meal? Like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, I can't do that anymore. So, mm. so anyway, there's just some ideas of things that might help. Yeah, those Good are ones, great yeah. things. Yeah. And we have another raised hand. All right. Uh, and we're at about 10 minutes uh, till the top of the hour. So. Yeah, we'll take one more question and we'll uh, wrap it up here. Okay. 619 ending in 684. You may, you're unmuted. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Jenny. And um, I have a question. Uh, what about, um, let's say uh, some holiday dinners are coming up for me, and is it a good strategy to say, I may have like uh, some piece of pie, and uh, right now I'm really sensitive to carbs um, since I've had diabetes for a long time. What would be, is exercise ever a way to kind of moderate what you've eaten? If you have a sweet, you know, like a exercise before or after, would that mitigate that a little bit? Or yeah, what advice do you have? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so typically exercise can be a way for us to lower blood sugar that I kind of say is independent of medications. Um, so exercise itself will help your body to use your insulin better. And when we're exercising, obviously we're using more energy in our body. So we're going to bring our sugar down in that sense too. Exercise is kind of cool because it helps introduce the sugar from the blood into the cells, even without requiring our insulin. So whether it's insulin that we've taken or whether it's insulin that our body has made. So yeah. exercise itself really kind of works like a medication. Um, so it doesn't replace your medications, um, but it can definitely help to supplement that. So I would say, you know, if you decide to have something that maybe you wouldn't choose on a regular basis that, you know, is going to raise your sugar, doing some physical activity, especially right after, um, can really be of assistance. Um, we see it a lot in our pregnant patients with diabetes. Um, we tell them often like do 10 minutes of exercise after each meal because it really helps to lower the sugar. So you can definitely apply something like that. 
Um, you also are going to get longer term benefits. Um, so even if it isn't just 10 minutes after the meal, but even if you do exercise earlier in the day, you are going to use your insulin better for, mm -hmm. they say, you're like 24 to 48 hours for some individuals. More so I would bank on the 24 side of things. Um, but so even if you can't be active, like let's say, you know, I don't know where everybody's located, but where I am in Philadelphia, it's dark out right now. So it's been dark since, I don't know, 530. So I might <laughs> not be as likely to go out for a walk after dinner in a situation like that. But if I've done walking earlier in the day, I should still be getting some benefit. So definitely you can not, I wouldn't necessarily say rely on exercise, but you can bank on some exercise being of assistance in terms of helping you to use those special occasion type foods a little bit better. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Good question, Jenny. Um, well, with that, uh, Abby, I just want to say thank you so much for being here yet again. This is your third tour of duty with us, and you've done another fabulous job, hit it out of the park. So thank you. Of course. Um, we're delighted to have you, and we hope to have you back in the future. Um, you always do a great job for us. So, so for those of you that are out there in the audience and are interested in learning more about ACB Diabetics in Action, I invite you to visit our website, which is uh, www.acbda.org. So our initials, acbda.org. Um, there you can look at uh, information we have about uh, what we do in ACB Diabetics in Action. And most importantly, for those of you that may be interested in joining, there's a very accessible and simple to navigate membership form, which also is seamlessly integrated with PayPal. So you can use PayPal to pay your $10 dues or just use a regular credit card. And um, we'd love to have you join. And uh, so take a look at our website. And if anybody has any questions, I know we didn't get to everybody's questions tonight, but if there are questions out there you'd still want answers to, um, or if you have questions about how to join or if you have issues with the website, whatever, please send an email to acbdaorg, so acbdaorg at gmail.com. That's our, that's our email address, and one of us will get back to you with the right answers and the assistance you need to um, get questions answered and to get access to the website, but it's pretty accessible. So, Becky, I know you had some announcements to make about our next chat, so I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um, thank you, Abby, for being here. And thank you, Ellison, for um, hosting. Um, and Larry, thank you for streaming for ACB Media. Um, and thank you for people being out there on ACB Media. Um, upcoming, upcoming things that we have going on. Uh, December 17th, which is this coming Saturday, we have our friends, uh, friends helping friends with diabetes um, casual chat. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, the chat that we usually have on the fourth Monday this month falls on the 26th. So um, we made the decision to uh, move that over to the 28th. Um, and that is at um, 730. Yes. Sorry. 730 Eastern. Um, so that will be on the 28th and not the 26th. It will be on the community calendar. Um, looking ahead to January, um, Abby, Abby mentioned, um, you know, that we can do some activity and, and I don't like calling it exercise, but activity movement and that type of thing. Um, we have in January, we have Leslie Spoon coming. 
to share with all levels, whether you're the couch person or the person that's running a marathon. Um, she will have information for all of us. And that will be on January 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and so watch for that. So that takes care of the things that are coming up that people can participate in. Thank you, Becky. That's awesome. So I would just close again by reiterating my thanks to Abby. Again, thank you so much for being with us. You did a great job. Uh, Allison, you always do a great job as our host. So thank you again for being here. And Larry, thank you for streaming. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I would bid you adieu and wish you all happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we'll see you all at the next couple chats. So good night, everybody.